are starting a new four-week series that's going to be interrupted by our miracle offering. We'll have one week in there with the miracle offering week, and then we'll be right back to the series. But it's going to be four weeks for this series. And uh, we did this uh, over four years ago. And I just want to let you know, we love that series so much. Becca and I actually uh, got the table that was in the video. We're like, hey, we love this table. And so we bought a custom table. Uh, and the campus pastors and, and several people kept asking. They said, could you bring it back? Could you please do this again? And the church has grown. And I think it's too important for us to miss this one. And also, I just got to be honest with you, I need to refocus our family on the table again. Um, last week, we had the opportunity to have Bob Goff and Lisa Bevere with us for the weekend. And uh, we went out to dinner as a family with Bob Goff and, and uh, we're there. And, you know, Bob, he's asking questions and, you know, he's like, hi, I'm Bob, even in the restaurant. He does it everywhere, you know. And then he asked, he's like, what do you want to do? And, and he was asking probing questions. And then I, he asked me a question. And I said, well, here's what I want to do different from, free, from here forward. I said, I feel like I was so intentional with our kids before we had them. And then when they were born and even raising them and getting them through college, I was so intentional. And I just, I haven't given much thought to empty nester. I haven't given much thought to someday being a grandpa. I haven't given much thought of how am I going to go for the next 12, 15 years? What's my strategy and plan for this next season? And I told my family in front of, just, I just right there, I just, I said, I want to be better at this. I don't feel I've done a good enough job with our family and with our table and just thinking about what's ahead. Behind us, good, but what's here now and in front, I want to be more intentional. And maybe this is a reminder for you or it's the first time you've heard this, but uh, I want us to reclaim the table. I want us to reclaim the table and be intentional with a tool that God has given to us that is right there for us, but we have pushed to the side. Uh, if you can remember back in the day, homes were designed with a dining room and a kitchen. You had two tables. And you knew that if you went to the dining room, that was a special meal because company was coming over. How many know what I'm talking about? And then, so, and then you, had, so you had the dining room table, and then you had the kitchen table. And then as we move forward as society, you know, we built a great room and the TV replaced the dining room. We had to have a room for the TV, but we put a table in the kitchen and we were fine. And then as we moved with design and we moved forward and we got busier, how many know that the kitchen counter replaced the table? The table became a place for crafts and projects and homework, but the meals were at a counter looking at a TV behind the counter and not looking at each other, but all looking at the one direction at the TV. And I think it's time for us to reclaim the table. And I don't want to sound like an old, you know, like, oh, I remember back, but I'm telling you what, this is a tool that God has given to us to use. And I think we need to reclaim it. We need to bring it back. I, 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 I see this, that the table is so important. It can, it can turn people that are enemies into friends. I don't think the table will necessarily bring world peace, but it can turn enemies into friends. I think about this, that when I was growing up, it was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. It was Lakers, Celtics, and those guys couldn't stand each other. They tell the story about this, that they couldn't stand each other, and they had to do a, a TV commercial together, and they were doing a TV commercial, and they were kind of chippy and edgy in this, and all of a sudden, they were going to break for lunch, and they were going to, Magic was going to go his way, and Larry's going to go his way for lunch, and Larry's mom came out because the commercial was at their house, and she came out. She said, guys, guys, I cooked lunch for everyone, and they all came in for lunch, and, and Larry Bird says this. He says, that's the day that Magic Johnson became Irving Johnson to me, and he became my friend. We actually ate a meal together, and something happened in us, and our rivalry became a friendship. 
So I don't know if you have enemies in your world that you need to invite during this series. I don't know if you have friends that you need to reignite again and say you need to be there. I don't know where it is with your family, if you've been having dinner all the time, but we need to reclaim the table. The Bible starts with Eden, eating. They were eating in, a, I would call it the Eden Garden. That's the parent company to Olive Garden. They were at Eden Garden, and the Bible starts there with eating. In Genesis 2, it talks about this, and the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And then man immediately went and grabbed the one that he couldn't grab. He grabbed the one that he couldn't, and ever since then we've been making bad choices. But the Bible has all sorts of festivals with food, and we're going to look at that as we go through this series, different festivals and the, the symbolism behind it and the lessons that should be taught there. We see that Jesus used uh, just food. In the, in the Gospel of Luke, he used food in 70% of his parables. Think about that, 70%. And if you look at Luke, one theologian said it seems that Jesus is always at a meal or he came from a meal or he's going to a meal. There's a lot of food in the Bible. And the Bible ends with food. It ends in Revelation 19 with the marriage supper. It says, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. It ends with an all-you-can-eat buffet. <laughs> Calorie-free. The other night, Beck and I went to a movie and we were, we were coming home and, and uh, I said, I, I, I wish food had no calories because I so want to stop and get chocolate cake with you right now. But I mean, I just know we have to hit the treadmill. And she's like, I'm with you. It's, let's just count it as if we did chocolate cake. How do you know that doesn't count as chocolate cake? But the, that, that wedding feast, no calories. All right. But buffet, uh, buffets uh, remind us of heaven and we just say, hey, no calories. All right. Now, uh, I believe this, that uh, God has given us the ability to enjoy food. And I believe that even if you're an atheist and you're wondering if there is a God, I would just say, what about your taste buds? I mean, think about this. The world is tastier than it needs to be. There must be a God, right? So, I mean, we are going to look and see how the table is important because I believe this, that it's a place that we're to gather, whether it's a couple times a day. We could, some people eat three times a day. Some people eat up to seven times a day. And I'm glad that we've been created in a way that we have to come back together and come back and we're at that meal and we can think about, how many know we can be at one meal and think about the next meal? You're eating this one and you're talking about what your next one is. We're just created with that way. And I thank God that we have multiple meals every week. When the boys were younger, we were on a, a trip and we went to a, a zoo in Chicago and we went into the reptile area and Becca was shopping, by the way, and I took the kids to the zoo, you know, everybody has their own gifts, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I took the kids to the zoo, it was father-son time, and we, we went in the wrong way of the reptile exhibit, we went in the exit. And as we did that, we saw a python that was eating a chicken. And, and they were like, oh, no, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to go in the entrance. You're not supposed to be here. And I was like, we ain't leaving now. Like, that's awesome. You know, and the kids were like, this is the best trip ever. And, you know, we watched them eat the whole thing, you know, and, and circle of life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, all right. And, and then they said, he won't eat for another month. And you just happen to get here at the right time. Once a month. All right, we eat every day, multiple times a day. We're created in a way to get together, and yet we're so busy. The average American eats one of five meals in their car. The average American doesn't eat more than one time a week, really, with their family. That's sad. That's so sad. It used to be that the family dinner was 90 minutes long. You know what it is now? 12 minutes. 12 minutes. 
It's an amazing thing how fast we've gone. We're just, boom, sit down, let's go. But studies have shown that if you have three meals per week, three, that's our goal, three meals per week. If you can do that, if you can have three meals per week, then all of a sudden everything changes in your life. You're 40% less likely to be obese. You're more likely to accelerate at school if you're a child. You're 50% less likely to break the law. Vanderbilt uh, University did a study and they found that kids that read the best are the ones that had family meals together. It wasn't just their parents read to them, it was that they had family meal time together. And it wasn't like the kids were relegated to a separate table. They ate at the same table with the adults. It expanded their thinking, it expanded their vocabulary. They've even found that in the chimpanzee world, that the chimpanzees that actually get together and eat together are happier than the other ones. And they've measured the, the chemical, I know, who, who has that job? But somebody had a job and they measured the chemical release in the, the chimpanzees and they said they had more chemicals of, of good feelings and good hormones that were going in those, because they were eating together. We were created for, to eat together. We were created in a way that says there's community. Now, when I did this series years ago, um, I, I talked about having lunch with Leonard Sweet, and he told me about an upcoming book. And at the time, he hadn't written the book, but he just told me a little bit about it. And uh, since then, he's written the book, and I've had the pleasure of reading it. And it's called From Tablets to Tables. From Tablets to Tables. And I'm going to use uh, this extensively as a resource, but he just, there are so many good things in there that he talks about, hey, we need to move from tablets to tables and go back to the table and, and, and see what God wants to do as we gather around the table. He talked about Amish, uh, the Amish people retain 95% of the people that are raised Amish stay Amish. And they can attribute it to the fact that they have two meals a day together, that they stop what they're doing and they have two meals together. The Jewish people on planet Earth are only, they're less than 2%. Think about this, less than, I mean, it's just a small, small, yet they have 50% of the Nobel Peace Prizes. Okay, but what is the key there? Is it because, well, they're Jewish and they're blessed. That might be part of it, but you know what else? They're Jewish and they eat meals together and they have festivals where they come back together. No matter how busy they are, they take the time to have those festival meals together. You see it, even celebrities, they will get to, they'll stop what they're doing and they'll go and be a part of their family meal and they'll hear the story. And they hear the story of God and the story of God was to be taught to them. So they know the story of God and they know how the story of God intersects their story. And so then instead of having to go out and find themselves when they're 18, they can go out and, and invent something or start a business because they know who they are because they've been part of the story. And the story of the Bible, if you want to put it in three sentences, Old Testament, three sentences, New Testament, the Old Testament is this, they're trying to kill us. We survived, let's eat, okay? New Testament, I love you, I forgive you, let's eat. All right, there it is, right there. I mean, that's really when you look at what God is doing. And that's why I love Alpha so much. You may not realize this, but River Valley Church has the number one Alpha in the United States. Years ago, I asked Anthony Richards to start Alpha. And I said, would you do it? He had never taught it before. I said, I really believe God wants to do something. When we get people together around a table, they, they have a meal, they talk about the things of God. It's a safe place to ask questions. And I really think that God could use that to help disciple people, bring people to faith in Jesus Christ and grow the church. He said, yes, and we've now have the number one alpha in America. It's that, it's that safe place. They actually are asking him over in England, like, help us 
us revitalize this because that's where it started. They're saying, could you help us because you've grabbed hold of the table. By a show of hands here and at all the campuses, if you've been a part of Alpha already, could you raise your hand right now if you've been a part of Alpha? Look around the room. In the room that I'm preaching in right now, a bunch of people. If you don't know about Alpha, ask somebody that had their hand up. Ask somebody, because this is a way for you to explore faith and have that safe place. We're really investing in discipleship. You know, it, it does cost us something for those meals, but we gladly pay for that because we're investing in discipleship because we believe something is happening at that table. As I looked into this, I found another church in Brooklyn. They don't just do it for Alpha. They've decided every church service has a meal. Every church service, it's not in rows, it's tables. Now it's a smaller church, but could you imagine if we'd, we'd have like River Valley, I mean, we'd have the buffet, we'd have the biggest uh, food service. I mean, but you think about it, every, every service they do, they worship at the table, they hear the sermon at the table, they talk, they take prayer requests at the table, everything, the whole auditorium is set up as tables because God does something around the table. Even in Revelation, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'd open up the door, I'll come in and do what? I'll eat with you. Like, we'll be there together. Let's reclaim the table. So here's a couple of things that we're going to do uh, for this series. Number one, we're going to use the hashtag, reclaim the table. All right. We want to see pictures of you doing this. We want to see pictures of whether you're out to eat or whether you're at home. We want to, any idea that you have, let's use that hashtag, reclaim the table. And then each week on Thursday, our staff is going to do a live video. And they're, I believe they're going to use Facebook Live, but if they're not, they'll correct me. But they're going to do a live video and they're going to draw a, a, a winner each week. They're going to give away gift cards to restaurants. They're going to uh, give away uh, the meals for your home where we'll have the meals cooked and brought to your home. Uh, so there's going to be some prizes that they're going to do. And uh, so use that hashtag, Reclaim the Table. Second thing, I need you to pray at every meal. I need you to pray at every meal, whether you're in public or whether you're in private. I think this is a, it has to be one of the top ways we could stand out right now in this world because so few people are praying over their meal. We need to pray over our meal. I'm just telling you, I, everywhere we go, we pray over our meal as a family. We pray over our meal. Uh, I pray over my meal by myself. If I'm on an airplane, I am praying. I am bowing my head. I'm not trying to show off, but I want people to know that I'm not just rearranging my food right now. You know, I, you know a server come up and she's like, can I help you? And I was like, oh, I was just praying. She goes, well, you, I, I didn't know you were, you were stalled. You know, it was like it, prayer was so foreign to her. I mean, maybe I need to do, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, look inside. And say, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, you know. So, okay. I, I ask, I, I've, I've taken it to another level of boldness that I won't ask you to do, but I, I'm asking you to pray everywhere you go. But when I'm out and I've started to ask the servers, I say, hey, we're about to pray for our meal. Is there anything we could pray for for you? And I've watched them like, uh, start to tear up. Nobody's asked me that before. I mean, I, I mean, we, we know half the servers at Vivo in Apple Valley. And we're like, hey, how's your son? We prayed for him. Hey, how's that? I mean, I go to Jensen's for breakfast. I'm like, hey, how's that? How's your friend? How's your mom? How's I mean, all from praying with the server and eating out a lot. All right, you know, so I'm praying, all right? But I, I would say less than 1% of the time, people have said, nope, nope, I'm good. Well, then I just, and then I'll say like, well, then I'll just pray that everything continues to go good. But I haven't had anyone say, no, don't pray for me. 
But I've had people not have a prayer request or be stumped or we pray and then they're like, oh, it's too late. I thought of one. I was like, we'll pray again. You know, like, it's okay. We, it wasn't, we're not limited on prayers. All right. So we're going to pray. And I want you to pray like you, really, like you really mean it. I mean, I want you to have the boldness. And I know you say, well, I'm in meetings at work. I need you to have your boldness. And I think you could say, blame me. Throw your pastor under the bus. Say, hey, this month we're doing a thing. It's reclaim, and our pastor has to do this, and I want to do that. And if they're like, you really do what your pastor says? Well, that would open up a whole new opportunity because you could say not always, or you could say yes all the time, yeah. But I, I, I want you to do that. I want you to pray. I don't care if you're in school. I'm talking to the high school student right now. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. We have hundreds at, at, at Eden Prairie High School right now. I know that. There's hundreds. There's a pre-service Bible study there. Come on. I want you to pray. We have, we, I don't care what's, I want you to pray at Eastview. I want you to pray at Lakeville. I want you to pray wherever you're at Faribault. I want you to pray. Shattuck, I want you to pray and not be ashamed. I want you to take this moment to pray and thank God for your food. And then another thing we want you to do, so we're going to use the hashtag, we're going to pray, and we're going to have three meals together. Three meals together per week with your family. Now you say, how am I to do that? I'm going to give you one thing. I found this as I was studying. It said, can breakfast be the new dinner? It was like, can breakfast be the new dinner? I'll give you two breakfasts for one dinner, all right? We'll trade off. But I need three meals. I need you to figure out how you can do this. So if you do two breakfasts, we can count it as one dinner. I don't care. Maybe your schedule doesn't work with that. But we need to do this. We need to use the tools that are there. Our kids' ministry is doing this with us, and they have this great resource around the table. Parents, take advantage of this. It's a little placemat. It has little questions for you to be able to disciple your kids and be able to talk to them. Talks about the new CD that they did. And then additionally, we have the reclaim cards. We brought these back. We have the reclaim cards. There are some new questions in here. There are no political questions. You're safe, all right? Reclaim cards. So the ushers will give you this. Take advantage of, of this. Use this. And I want to say this to singles. There's no excuse. You have to be involved in this as well. You have to be involved. The table is important to singles. I can prove it. I mean, you think about where is the first date for most people? It's either over coffee at a table or over a meal at a table. I don't care if you go to match.com, eHarmony, farmersonly.com. They're talking about getting together with a table. All right? You know, it doesn't need a table. Tinder doesn't use a table because Tinder isn't about a meal. It's a meat market. Stay away from that thing. So we're going to reclaim the table and we're going to say we're going to put down our phones. We're going to put down, turn off the TV and we're going to say we're going to make the time. And I really believe that families are saying, how in the world will we do this? We have sports. You're going to tell them that your pastor coach is more important than the soccer coach. And pastor coach said you need to have your meal before you go to the soccer game. You say we can't do that to soccer. Yes, you can. I read about a Viking player that was a devout Muslim and during Ramadan, he didn't eat during the day. And even though it was during training camp to his own cost, it might even cost him a job because his faith was so strong, he didn't eat during the day until it hit night. And he said to the Vikings, it doesn't matter. Even though you're wearing me out during training camp, I'm devoted to my faith. If he can be devoted and lose his job over, over not eating during the day, then you can tell the soccer coach, we're going to have a meal together, and then we're going to get there, all right? 
because you want your kids to grow up to know the things of God and the table is too important. And don't let the other things steal away from the table. Why am I so strong in this? Because God invented the table. In Exodus 25, we see God giving the dimensions of a table. Now, Wikipedia will tell you that the Egyptians invented the table, but they just invented the table to get things off the floor. God invented the table for people to sit at. And he says this in Exodus 25, 23, he says, make a table of acacia wood. And he said, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. And if you measure that, a cubit across the table, it's 42 inches. I would tell you, go get a tape measure. Most tables right now are 42 inches. I know that. I measured my table in my office right now just to check again. 42 inches. God came up with the table. And we're still using that same design, the height, the width, the length. And we're saying that's a great way to make a table. And we're going to reclaim this table. We're going to reclaim the table for godly discipleship. Just like we talked about with Alpha, where people are learning about Jesus, we see that God used the table for discipleship. In Matthew 26, 20, it says it's about Jesus. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. What was he doing? He was at the table. He was talking to them. He was sharing with them. He was uh, revealing things about his life and asking them great questions. In Luke 19, 5, it says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw this man in the tree. He said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And immediately he goes to Zacchaeus's house and has a dinner with him. And Zacchaeus has an amazing God transformation. Where? At the table. He doesn't say, come into a classroom with me and let me show you. He says, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a meal together. How many would like to have God put you on the spot and say, I'm coming to your house right now for dinner? You're like, we didn't clean, yeah. When I was a kid, my mom had a thing she used, this is true, she used to yell, red alert, red alert. And that meant somebody's in the driveway, throw everything in the closet. That's true, it's true. And then somebody would go to the foyer and kind of stall. Hey, how's it going? And we'd stall, throwing everything in. Yeah, but it usually meant we were bringing the Sarah Lee cake out of the freezer. How many know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah, all right. But it was red alert, red alert. Jesus is like, I'm coming to your house, no cleaning. I'm going to see it as it is. The table is a place of discipleship. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Then he says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. When they'd sit down at the table, they were to talk about the things of God. They were to, to be able to, to have that time at the table. And I think about this. We're so busy, we go out with clients. We do the deal at the table with the clients and we leave discipleship to the babysitter. We can't do that. We can't do that. We've got to say, I am responsible to impress this upon my child. And they would talk about things like there is one God and this is the God we serve. And some people say, well, Pastor Rob, I just want to let my kids have a choice in this. Well, guess what? My kids didn't get to choose where they live, what house they're in. I'm going to talk about faith. If they want to leave our house and walk away from the faith, that's theirs, which they didn't. But they were going to be raised in our house. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We're going to talk about these things at the table, and I'm going to use it for discipleship. They would talk about slavery and they would talk about how they got set free. And I'll tell you this, my kids can tell my salvation story. They can tell their mom's salvation story. They've heard it enough times. They know that I was saved at a Billy Graham festival at the St. Paul Fairgrounds. They know that their mom gave her life to the Lord in a backyard Bible club and said yes to Jesus as she went in the house and prayed. 
Man, they would talk about blessings. They'd say, these are the blessings of God. Have you talked to your family about the blessings of God and the things you enjoy and you share the glory with God? Because we can reclaim the table for discipleship. You should talk about obedience. You should talk about obedience. And these are the times I wrestled with God. And these are the things that I, I had to give up. And these are the things I said yes to. And these are the things I said no to. I mean, and you're able to talk about that's what they did and that's what we could do as well because they were commanded to do this. They were commanded to do this because God knew that they would have people all around them trying to steal their inheritance, trying to steal their heritage, that they'd want to have other stories brought into this story. And God's like, you need to know your story. And so when you sit down, when you walk along the road, you're going to talk, you're going to have these teachable moments, they're going to be caught. And as you have multiple meals there, things are going to be caught, things are going to be taught. And what's going to be taught to you will be put in you. It'll be deposited deeply. And we have to do this. The, the, the time for discipleship is at that table. Do not let someone steal that table away from you. Now, our example, like I said, when we, the boys were younger, we, we did pretty good with this. I mean, we, we, we would do, uh, one year we did the one-minute Bible, and we'd read for one minute, and then we'd talk about it. Another year we did this, Adventures for Growing Families. I don't even think it's in print. And, and I used to write in the margin here. And, and it was like, we're praying for the building to be done. And we have all of our prayer requests on the side. I was just laughing. And I, I, I just think it's so funny. And the one there, it says, help Logan to say his K's better. Apparently he couldn't speak as good. And he's doing good, good with him now. He's fine, you know. <laughs> we, we, President, we're praying for President Bush. We're praying for all the families that lost loved ones. This was during 9-11. So I've got prayer requests. That are there. Uh, it said, praying that our first service attendance will grow. Dad must have put that one in there. You know, so those are there. We used to do that. Um, we did, you know, like I say, the one-minute Bible. We did the essential 55. One year I just felt like we're going to teach them good morals, and I'll look for the biblical principles that tie to these morals. And so we did a book called The Essential 55. It was the teacher of the year, and, and that's where we taught our kids that if somebody asks you a question, you answer it, and then you return the question. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Simple. But we taught them that from that year. One, we just kept going through and did that. And, and to this day, that people will still say, like, your kids, like, return the question. Yeah, they learned it at the dinner table. I mean, we did the JBQ cards. I mean, I don't know if your kids are in JBQ. I, I wish our kids would have been in JBQ, but we did the JBQ cards. And I love it. I mean, we'd sit there and, and you know, quiz and have different things. I mean, think about this. It's like, what did the prodigal son say to his father when he came back home? I have sinned against God and you and am no longer worthy to be your son. And then we're talking about it. What does the Bible say to do when others pressure us to disobey God? Do not follow what others do when they do what is wrong. From Exodus, obey God rather than people. What is the meaning of the name Jesus? The Lord is our Savior. What is prayer? I mean, what is a good lesson from the book of Job? Not all uh, misfortune that comes to a believer is punishment for sin. And then we talk about it. This is happening at our dinner table. This is what we did. I'm asking you to do the very same thing and to be able to do that. And to, to, how simple is that? That's something that you could, you could ask your kids. And, to be able, and I did that not because I was a pastor. I did that because I understood that it was my responsibility to impress it upon the children. I understood that it was mine and Becca's together and that together we would share our stories, that we would ask those questions, that we would do that. If you're a single parent, it's still your responsibility to say, you know what, I'm going to impress this on my children. I pray that we'd use that reclaim the table hashtag and even share creative ideas. Because as I studied this, 
The Jewish people were so creative in the way they taught their children even to understand how good God was at the table. Okay, you got to understand this is pre-amazing desserts. You know what they would do? They would take honey and they would use honey as the ink and they would write it on a tablet and they would write it on a stone and they'd write it there. They'd write the words of God on the stone. And then for dessert, the kids would lick the dessert and they would learn this verse, Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And they tell kids as they were eating dessert and licking the words of God, that God that was written in honey on that tablet, they would, they would tell them the word of God is sweeter than that. The word of God will guide your life. Come on, way before Pinterest. I mean, come on. They were doing that. Why? Because they wanted their kids to be raised in the ways of the Lord. And they understood that God had given them a table. God had given them a gathering spot where mom and dad could pour into their children. They could be creative. They could do something and they could learn about their story, that they were part of God's story and that God had a story for them. I'm praying that we'll reclaim the table. I'm praying that you'll commit to discipleship today. I pray that you'll get someone here next week. I know it's MEA weekend. I know that lots of people are gone, but I'm praying you'll get someone here next week. And I would, I would challenge you to do this. Maybe invite them to dinner before you invite them to church. Invite them to dinner. Maybe go out to dinner and then invite them to church. But anyway, get someone here that can learn from this. And then today, take advantage of free refreshments at all of our campuses. We did that so people would linger. We did that on purpose. So there'd be a food connection a food connection so you'd stay around. That's what it's for. It's a food connection. So I'm praying that we'll reclaim the table and we'll say, man, God, you've given us this tool. We're going to use it to disciple. So Lord, help us to do that. Help us to disciple and reclaim this table. Lord, help us to be creative. Your words are sweeter than honey. Lord, I just believe there's creativity that could be unleashed in this church where we could reclaim the table. I pray that we do that. If anybody's not taking advantage of the table, even as I confess, let them confess and just say, man, we're going to do it different from this day forward. We're turning the TV off. We're putting the phones away. We're going to eat together and have discipleship in Jesus' name. Bless the church now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.